TraceLink's Roddy Martin discusses best practices for increasing supply chain agility with Harshad Kanveen, global supply chain practice leader at Slalom. That's right now on the Agile Supply Chain Podcast. So, Harshad from Slalom, welcome. I am so pleased to have you on the next edition of the Thought Leadership Series that we're doing at TraceLink. Obviously, a very exciting opportunity to get thought leaders like yourself out of supply chain, out of healthcare, to talk about agile. You know, agile's a word that is almost overused already in the industry. Uh, and when you talk to supply chain people that really understand agile, you really get down to tin tacks, right? So I look forward to talking about our agile supply chain credo, which you know I want to emphasize is not written about any of uh, technologies or any of Tracing's products. It's agnostic of uh, technology and of vendors, but it gives a really good set of uh, guiding principles to think about. You know, a lot of them are common sense, but it's amazing how much common sense is not common sense to a lot of uh, people. So I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. And as you introduce yourself and your experience in supply chain, talk a little bit around what pops out at you about the credo, and we'll carry on from there. But welcome. Roddy, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, super excited for this uh, discussion. So I'm um, uh, Harshad Kanminde. I live in Seattle and work at uh, Slalom Consulting. I lead Slalom's uh, global supply chain practice. Been with Slalom for about six years. Uh, prior to that, Amazon uh, for a couple of years, where I led Amazon's North America supply chain for one of the businesses, Fulfillment by Amazon, uh, specifically helping our sellers at that time uh, with their transportation needs and inventory allocation. Uh, prior to uh, Amazon, I was with another consulting firm, EY, and, and pretty unique experience. So where um, uh, I was the founding member of a team that started a joint venture with Procter & Gamble. So uh, to the, the idea was uh, to, uh, to commercialize, codify and commercialize Procter & Gamble's know-how in supply chain manufacturing, new product development. So as you can see from that journey, uh, my sources of inspiration, although I'm in consulting, uh, when I think about supply chain or when I think about helping my clients with their supply chain needs, my source of inspiration is not any other consulting firm, but it's Procter & Gamble and Amazon. Uh, I find myself uh, in that fortunate position where I learn from the best <laughs> to, to, uh, to companies there are. Uh, and there are many commonalities and that, that uh, between Amazon and Procter & Gamble, how they operate and think about their supply chain. Agility is one of them, uh, definitely. But that had shaped my thinking, uh, knowingly, unknowingly, um, and uh, and and I try to bring that bring that thinking to uh, to my clients. I think you asked um, uh, what guides us. I think um, from slalom supply chain standpoint, one of the key uh, theme that we have seen resonating really well with the clients, and we firmly believe in it, is uh, helping clients build the agility in supply chain. And what I what we mean by that is how can their supply chain be more flexible. Uh, more responsive and and fast. Uh, with whatever is going on, current situation this year with COVID and lockdowns and the problems with the supply chain, it has come to the surface, the need for agility. But I would say that uh, the movement toward agility is not new. It's It's been going on for at least four or five years, maybe longer. Uh, the, the intent for, for becoming uh, more agile in supply chain, and that's not driven only by uh, managing disruptions well, but it's also driven by the need and, and understanding 
that unless you have agile supply chain, you can't really go after emerging business opportunities faster. So when people think about Amazon and Amazon launching uh, something like Prime Now, which is one hour, two hour delivery service in a matter of 90 days, 100 days from conception to, to launch, how can that happen uh, in Amazon's case? The agile supply chain makes it happen. So it's not only about disruption, it's also about business growth. And I'm super excited about that piece of it. Disruption is great. I mean, ability to manage disruption, but business growth and innovation is more exciting. Um, uh, you, you asked, I think, uh, the last piece in my long-bounded introduction, uh, the, uh, uh, what speaks to me when we think about agile credo. Uh, I think the buck stops at uh, customer obsession. And in your case, it's patient-driven. I call it demand-driven or customer-driven. Uh, understanding really, really well what your customers want and understanding also what your customers want but haven't spoken about it yet and driving everything back from that, uh, that that's what excites me and that's the real crux how you build your agile supply chain it's it's in those details uh, different customer segments different needs you are going to need different supply chain designs and execution for that uh, and agility makes that happen, or it's it's one and the same. I, I would go ahead and say that. <laughs> yeah. So you you're my best friend because I, I now remember that you also cut your teeth in Procter and Gamble, right? So yeah. if anybody understands codifying best practices with uh, in a system way like IWS, it's Procter and Gamble, right? So so I I loved it when you said to me when we were talking that you know at Amazon was about taking options off the table, right? If you're an engineer, you think you're clever when you give people lots of flexibility. Well, actually you hurt them in the supply chain because the more flexibility you give somebody and the less codified the best practices are, the more you cause potential variability. And I think, you know, that's, that's a very powerful starting point. You know, the second thing uh, um, that I love about PNG is the the simple idea of the two moments of truth, right? I mean, it starts with an obsession about the customer, to use your words, or the product's always available when they say it's available. And, and in the Credo case, it is about uh, everything is an obsession about the patient. You know, systems, the network are an obsession about orchestrating at the patient. All systems are orchestrating decisions towards the patient. Any event that you sense that could disrupt the, the outcome at the patient, you have to find and solve very quickly. And if you've got too many variable things, you're never going to be able to find out what the root cause of the problems are. So I love those perspectives. And I think, you know, that makes me even more pleased to, uh, um, to talk to you. So, so in, a, in a sense, where do you think the biggest challenges are? Because you don't hear PNG talk about Agile. PNG, it's embedded into that IWS. It's embedded into the DNA of the way they operate. So when you go into a company and start talking about agile, immediately they think, oh, here comes a new methodology, right? So how, how would you approach that at the leadership level? Uh, I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a step back and, and kind of explain what we mean by agility further. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a methods gallery. So, so there are so many, so many uh, buzzwords and consultants are definitely to blame for it, or, or I would say take credit for it. <laughs> but, 
but uh, there there is benefit to codify and and put a name to it so at least you can you can start using the same language but you're absolutely right a company like png or company like amazon where it's uh, ingrained in the the way of thinking ingrained in the way of doing things part of culture you won't see them talking about agile at all it's it's just the way of doing things and it it's common sense if you if you think about it the way uh, we dissect agility and and uh, this is at least over the last 4 years when we started kind of focusing on it as a uh, as a way of doing things and way of helping our clients to do uh, build agility in their supply chain three things become super important uh, you need to have to, to really become agile in your supply chain so flexible responsive and uh, fast you need to have end to end visibility uh, you need to have uh, predictability and and most importantly those uh, insights that you get from visibility into your supply chain and predictability in supply chain uh, are useless unless you figure out a way to build mechanisms to deliver those insights to the right decision makers at the right point in time so ultimately it comes down to are you able to empower your decision makers and the thousands of operational decisions they are making day in day out throughout your supply chain in your warehouses in your transportation hubs in your planning procurement decisions and so on so unless you have that complete chains uh, from visibility and and action or or uh, the those mechanisms decision mechanisms agility doesn't happen so although as a concept no one denies that agility is important so when we are talking to chief supply chain officers and and this is across the industries it's not just cpg retail or pharma but you 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 talk to aerospace and and heavy industries and so on no one is denying that agility is important i think the uh, things start falling apart uh, on the how part and and that is the most important part so uh, so this is our way of dissecting things uh, look at visibility where you are look at uh, predictability and look at most importantly look at the mechanisms for uh, decision making another another key thing we uh, we emphasize when we talk to the talk to the leaders uh, first agility comes at a cost so uh, so uh, yeah if you have one product and i mean you know this i'm preaching to the choir here but you, one product you are making it at scale economies of scale are great uh, you drive efficiency over the years and everything everything is hunky dory uh, when you bring complexity into that multiple products some products are going to have different Uh, volatility in their demand some products are not so you don't necessarily require agility across all segments of your supply chain first of all if you try to bring agility in all the sub- segments in your supply chain that's going to come with an associated cost uh, increase so there is a trade off uh, trade off there and second most important thing and it's uh, uh, it's common across all the uh, all the sectors and i would say even beyond supply chain and this is kind of the management thinking uh, problem although people on one hand agree that agility is important flexibility speed responsiveness is important but somehow they also like to not make things messy and and and, and the, uh, the the crux of the thing is uh, agility by inherently may look on the surface messy uh, you are you are you are going to think that things are chaotic if you go into amazon and and look at hey the 10 different teams working seemingly working on the same things why is that let's drive alignment and let's drive more documentation that's not agility i think uh, you, you, those two things intersect maybe uh, there is some some commonality but uh, just taking this notion to heart that 
agility comes with a price and agility may seem messy you are not going to have this clean cut i have this great methodology nice chevrons and nice uh, uh, venn diagrams and now you train train your people on that and boom uh, agility happens that doesn't happen in practice so uh, so it comes with a price and and it's a it requires a mindset shift so that's the most difficult part as we talk to our clients uh, no one denies with the notion of agility no one even denies with the notion that digital innovation plays a key role in driving agility uh, but that final jump of uh, making messiness okay uh, that, that's where things start falling falling apart i i love that perspective because here's the deal right so if i've spent a billion and a half on your favorite erp system and i've got all sorts of other it systems and i sort of have you know not maybe a clear data governance structure so i've got multiple versions of the truth uh and i get a disruption it takes me days to see the disruption and another few days to solve the disruption well in that period of time somebody could have died right and so if you're in the if you're in the healthcare system uh, um uh, scenario what i love about the fact is you've raised the subject of complexity and i participated with procter and gamble in their studies on complexity and they upfront in product design they decide on what's acceptable uh, um, complexity and what's not acceptable co- complexity in other words complexity is a, a differentiator because if i make something so difficult for you to copy but i make it easy for myself to manufacture that way then it's going to be a differentiator until somebody finds out how i get it done right so i love the fact that by understanding and uh, aggressively targeting an understanding of complexity that's a really key part of supply chain design that's point number 1 point number 2 is you alluded to the you know customer back design right when i design to a shelf or to a patient or to a hospital you know i've got hundreds of insurance policies i can put inventory in lots of different places and i can guarantee you that it's going to get to where it needs to get to but if i say well you know i'm a i'm a cpg company i only have margins of less than 50% not 80% I got to really restrict that that uh, that amount of inventory lying around. I got to think about the point at which the product is chosen, used, purchased all the way back into the supply system. And that's a very different way of thinking about the constraints in the supply chain. Now, unfortunately, it takes experienced consultants like yourselves to roll up their sleeves and not go and say well i think you need uh, this new version of this new software and simply go and whack it in and then 2 years later the business says but i thought the problem was going to go away it, that's not the way that it works and so yeah. i i'm really thrilled that you've brought up the subject of complexity the fact that it's outside in segmentation because that's what it is if i if i'm making toothpaste versus i'm making spin brushes and hair brushes it's different segments they different these these products have different life cycles they also have different you know manufacturing cycle times and supply chain cycle times so i'm thrilled that you brought that up so so hashad uh, if you if you were sitting giving a leadership team one of your clients some really hardcore hard kidding advice on you know what do they have to stop thinking about and what do they have to start thinking about 
what would you say the stop is? And and we all know, right? There's consultants are a dime a dozen, and and they're all probably going to say roughly the same things. What do you think is insightful as a wow? I never thought about that stop. What would your stop be? Uh, I would say I think uh, the discussion so far, Roddy, it, it all comes together in that stop and start, and it's kind of the two sides of the same coin: what they need to stop and what they need to start. And I would say one of the core tenets there is bias for action more, more than anything else. Uh, I see a ton of times, a lot of time spent on, on, on thinking, discussing and building foundational elements, but not really solving the problems. Uh, and, and somewhere there is that inertia and it goes back to my earlier comment around complexity and messiness uh, because action is messy. Uh, you, you, you can't have clean cut, black and white, Everything is laid out in front of you, and then now you can you can act, and there is certain uh, there is a certainty of result that doesn't happen. It's kind of philosophical, but one of the things I often find myself uh, urging my clients: uh, follow 80/20. Don't, don't uh, you're never going to have complete set of information. Uh, it's never going to be pretty the way you had imagined six months back. But start start somewhere. Uh, agree on the directional aspiration of agility, and know that what needs to happen. But quickly go to a localized problem that you need to solve. That problem, and unless you are defining that problem in the fashion how it impacts revenue, cost, or cash, I wouldn't even say customer experience because ultimately customer experience needs to roll into either revenue or or, or cost uh, given given sufficient period of time. So unless you can identify a problem and, and uh, lay it out in a way that you, it clearly shows that how it impacts revenue cost or cash levers, you don't, you, you, you don't know what you're talking about. So do that quickly. And once you identify that, don't worry about whether a solution that I'm going to build for solving that problem, it's scalable at enterprise level. Uh, it could be scalable only at one factory level or one business unit level, and that's fine, but, but act on it. Because what happens is as you solve these problems repeatedly and, and, uh, and, and fast, you are going to find new problems to solve. You are going to get new ideas for, for improving that. If you wait to make the design perfect on paper, although let's assume that you understand the complexity in your supply chain and you understand your customer really, really well. But it's like, I mean, saying there were three frogs sitting on the tree branch and they all intended to jump in the water. How many did and none, right? So, so you can talk all day long and you, you can have these uh, uh, agile transformation and digital transformation sessions with consultants all day long. But unless you act and do something, none of that matters. You might get a promotion for trying, uh, but, but who cares, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's not going to solve your customer's problems. That's not going to take your business in the right direction. So act. So stop wasting time on foundational. Uh, th there is a place for that. I mean, I'm not asking you to jump without thinking. Think, but but there is a there is a fine balance. Uh, right. 80 20. So so that's the stop piece. That's the start piece. Start acting. And uh, as Bezos says again, one last thing. So type one decisions and type two decisions, right? So there are most of the decisions. Are reversible. You you try something, you see that doesn't work. You can come back and learn from it and go go out again. There are type two decisions which are irreversible. And uh, funny funny enough, in reality, what happens is people exactly kind of act opposite opposite ways. The type two decisions where you need to spend enough time, people act fast. 
without thinking type 1 decisions where there, there is no need to uh, do do analysis paralysis uh, that precisely those kind of things you spend ton of time because you know what those are the easy things where you can spend a ton of time and and churn a lot and and not go anywhere and and everybody knows a little bit about those type one decisions and say so everybody chimes in you know i have a have a brilliant story about two companies who shall remain nameless right one is a, a european headquarters consumer goods company and the other one is a north american company and the north american company they spend all their time doing and the and the european company spend all their time thinking now um, the the european company spend their time building flexibility and they never get anything done the the north american company have done such a great job codifying best practices so that 98% of the problem is well understood it's the 2% you got to figure out at that last minute you can make those decisions quickly because you know exactly pretty well what the real That's problem it. is but if you have all this philosophical approach and what's the flexibility you never get down to making a decision so i think it's a it's yeah. a great point because you and i both know who i'm talking about and they know <laughs> that too i used to i used to tell both their leadership teams and they all used to grimace whenever i told them the story but they knew what i was talking about so it's yeah, a great it's note it. to finish because in the journey to agility if you have really codified and understood your capabilities you're in a position to make decisions fast to constitute agile process teams to solve problems fast if you haven't thought about your processes you're going to spend all your time in that messy mess that doesn't come together and you never resolve the right problem this has been a really really good discussion and uh, not only have i enjoyed this but uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you so thanks for taking the time and uh, i certainly look forward to to working more with you in the future if we have that privilege so thanks for the time and thank, thank you rodi for having me